Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. We're in this series um, called the, on the book of Malachi. This is part two of three. Um, it's a short book of the Bible. It's the last uh, book of the Old Testament. And it's, it's this uh, in-your-face prophet named Malachi. And here's what God commissions him to do. Malachi was commissioned by God to reestablish standards of excellence amongst God's people. And in three key, key areas, last week we talked to you about uh, he wasn't happy with the way that they were worshiping him, what, their offerings that they were bringing him, uh, uh, sacrifices that we were bringing him. And we talked about that last week. And then, and then this week we're gonna talk about a relational excellence, that how they were treating other people, how they were treating their, in their families, their spouses. He, he confronts them uh, about that as we see it here. And I just want you to know as we read this, this is a book written to the nation of Israel during this season of their life. But there are, there are, th- there are truths from it that we can learn as, as well. And what you need to know about these people is these were God's chosen people. He had created a nation for himself from a man named Abraham, and they were called Israel um, for a lot of reasons. I won't get into that. Um, and through the, through the generations, God had been faithful. God had been good to them. He had rescued them. He had redeemed them. He had brought them out of 400 plus years of slavery uh, to the Egyptians, and yet these people, by the time Malachi comes, have forgotten all this. They, they have forgotten the goodness of God. They have forgotten the blessings of God. And they were offering to God less than what he uh, deserved from them. And so Malachi comes to re- reset things. And I think it's an interesting thing to note, and I don't wanna say this for any other reason than it's just important that you know this. After Malachi, the people don't respond. They don't respond to God's warnings to them and what happened? And God had been for generations trying to get the country's, the nation's attention. And at the end of this time, from from this time until John the Baptist, four hundred years, God doesn't speak. To, nobody's writing anything. And 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 theologians call this the four hundred years of silence, the intertestamental period. And I think it's a word to remind us that God calls, God knocks, God reaches, God in His grace, God in His mercy comes. Um, but, but if you never hear and you never respond and you never turn, um, there's a possibility that God's like, hey, um, I'm gonna find somebody who will. And, 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 and I'm not saying that as a warning to us so much. I'm saying it that, that, that we need to know God is faithful, God is good, God will never stop reaching for you. And, and, but these people could not, would not receive it. So today I wanna talk about Malachi's words from the Lord um, about relational excellence. And I wanna say this one more thing before I jump in. The words that you're gonna read, you're gonna hear today are heavy. They're, 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 they're harsh almost in, in things. And when, when you hear them, I want you to remember this is not meant to beat you down. This, is, this was always meant for God to cause the people to return to him. That was the words, the reason he had Malachi say this, in fact, he says it in chapter three, just return to me, return to me. This is why his anger was provoked against them to cause them to return. So what I would say to all of us is if something steps on your toes today, as it will for sure me, we don't, we don't beat ourselves up for what's happened in the past. We just say from this day forward, we're going to do our best to honor God. Amen, everybody? That's the goal. You know, two people say I do, um, and a marriage is born. A group of men signed a piece of paper, the, the Declaration of Independence, and they ended it with these words, we mutually pledge to each other our lives 
our fortunes, our sacred honor, and our nation was born. A father and a mother dedicating their child to the Lord stand at an altar just like this one, just like we do. We'll be doing one in October, by the way. And they say, we will raise our child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We're gonna raise our, our, our child to follow Jesus and a family gets born. A, a witness in a courthouse puts his hand on the Bible. Um, a business person puts her name on a contract. A friend vows to keep a secret that another friend has entrusted them with. This is the truth about us, all of us. Um, we are promise-making people. We are. We, marriages and, and families and friendships and businesses and churches and nations are all built on either implicit promises or explicit promises, right? The truth about us is we are promise-making creatures, but there's another truth about us, and that is we are also promise-breaking people. Um, we say I'll be there, and sometimes we're not. We say I'll be there on time, and come on somebody, and sometimes we're not. We say you can count on me, and sometimes you can't. We promise you can, you can, you can trust me, but sometimes we break trust. We toss it aside, trust for the sake of convenience or the sake, for the sake of avoiding pain or discomfort. We say I'll never tell, and sometimes we do. You know, children learn this early on. I think if you have kids or if you've been around kids, you've seen this. They try to find ways to make sure that big people honor their commitments. And so somebody taught them this. And if, it's, if, if a promise is made to them, they'll often say, Mommy, do you promise? Come on, everybody heard this. Dad, do you promise? And, 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 and it's unthinkable to them that an adult would make a promise and not follow through. So if it's not enough, they'll say, do you promise? Cross your heart. Come on, everybody see this, right? And then what do they say? Hope to die? Well, that's serious. But then it goes to a whole nother level. Come on. And what do they say next? Stick an needle in your eye? What is this? Where did this come from, by the way? And what's crazy is we keep passing it down through the generations. Stick needles in each other's eyes, right? At the heart of relational excellence is this idea of promise-making and promise-keeping. It's easy to make promises. Not always easy to keep them. And the Bible has a word um, for this whole idea. It's not a word that we use in culture. It's not a modern word. It's definitely a deeply biblical, spiritual word. Um, to, 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 to capture this essence of promise making and promise keeping, it's the word covenant. And it's all throughout the Bible. And in particular, Ma Malachi uses this word seven times. In fact, I would say it's, it's at the heart of his book about promise keeping and promise making. Um, a, a covenant is a, a solid vow. It's a solemn vow. It is a sacred pledge. It is a declaration of heart and soul, like it shall be so. But we live, come on everybody, we live in a world where covenantal relationships, the idea of covenants is not widely understood, right? In, in our culture, there are casual commitments and casual relationships and not too serious in our teens and our young adults. We learn to, we become serial daters, right? We date for a minute and nah, I don't like you. Date, date for a minute. Ah, I don't like what you said. And, and some of us become serial heartbreakers. Come on, you guys know somebody like that? Okay, nobody does, so it's you. Okay, it's you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not you, right? If you never raise your hand, it's like, that's you, okay? 
We, we have contractual relationships. Uh, but, but think about a con- contract, right? It, it, it limits responsibility, meaning I'm not responsible for that. Like I didn't sign up for that, right? But it also, it also defines responsibilities. And so like I'll take marriage for just an, for an instance and I, we could select anything, but marriages um, are, are often contractual nowadays, right? And have been for a few generations. It's like as long as you live up to the agreed upon terms, uh, we, we have a deal, right? Uh, but but you, think about, you think about contracts. The reason that contracts I- exist and the sort of notion behind them is they're based on mutual distrust. Yes or no? Like, why did you have to sign 743 documents when you got your house? The bank doesn't trust you, right? And you're like, well, I'm gonna have a lawyer look at this. I'm gonna get my buddy who's in the deal because you don't trust them. Yes, yes or no, right? So it's, contracts are, about mutual distrust. In fact, like here's one, prenuptial agreements, right? Most of us probably aren't wealthy enough to even know what that is or worry about it. Come on, if you are, praise God for you, right? Right? But it's like, we're gonna go into this marriage and I have a lot of money and you don't. I'm not very attractive, but you are. I think you must be after my money, so sign this, right? Nobody? Okay, anybody. All right. I've never experienced that, right? But a covenant is based on mutual trust. I'll be there. You can count on me. I won't break my promise. I won't break faith. It's an an unconditional commitment motivated by love. Sacrificial love for another person. Now, this is the very concept that our prophet Malachi says is at the heart of relationships in, in the second chapter that we're looking at today. And Malachi not only says that covenants are, are, are hashtag relational goals, right? Like, you ever hashtag goals? Any, okay, anyway. Um, but Malachi also says that the one who sets the bar for, for covenants, for excellence in relationships is God himself. Um, l- let me give you a glimpse of, of, the, of, the, of the faithfulness of God. In the beginning of humankind in Genesis, the Bible says that God creates human beings in his own image after his own likeness, male and female, he created them, but he makes a covenant with them. He promises to give them life and and he gives them breath, literally gives them breath and food and meaningful work and relational intimacy one with the other. And he says, I'll care for you, I'll provide for everything you need. And in turn, he asks them to be committed to him and just not to break one command, one single command and we know the story, they do, and they, they break faith with him, they break covenant with God, and now it's one of the most crucial moments in history. What does God do in response to the disobedience of his own children? Does he turn his back on them? No, no, amazingly, he makes them a promise, and he says that one day, there will come a, per, a, a person, a, a man, Jesus, he doesn't say it then, but he says there's coming somebody to rescue, to redeem people from the sins that were committed, from the curse that was committed. And God promises after this, even after this, I'm gonna care for you. He gives him clothing right out of the, uh, out of the gate. And the bad news is that human beings don't get much more faithful. In fact, generations past, the Bible says the earth continues to devolve, corruption happens, violence, people are abusing one another, and so God just sort of hits the reset button with the flood uh, uh, that we, we talk about, the great flood. But there was one man in one family, and the guy's name was Noah, 
and God, who was faithful to God. And God says to Noah, I'm gonna establish a covenant with you. With your descendants, with every living creature on the earth, never again will there be a flood that destroys the whole earth. And I'm gonna give you a sign of this covenant. And the sign is a, a, a rainbow. And Noah's like, yes, to a rainbow, right? By the way, we captured this. Leslie captured this the other day, um, this double rainbow right over our church. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises. Amen. Right? And God says to Noah, I've set the rainbow in the cloud. And every time, now, now I want you to notice, he says, whenever I see it, whenever God sees the rainbow, like that one right there, it's a reminder to him to keep his promises all the way back to Noah. Right? The human race, though, we're very slow to learn. <laughs> Come on, everybody, right? We have a hard time, and it was still filled with corruption and violence and, and people mistreating one another, but God remembered his promises. And so he comes to a, an older man named, named Abram, and God says to Abram, I'm gonna make a covenant with you, uh, Abram. I'm gonna change your name to Abraham, and you're gonna become the father of many people groups, many nations were gonna come from you. And I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Abraham becomes a father at 99 years old, right? So never stop trying, everybody. Keep going, <laughs> right? His wife, Sarah, is 89. The two of you are gonna have a baby. You won't have a single tooth between the three of you. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> You're gonna go to Target and, and buy Pampers and Depends at the same time by right? putting them in the basket. Sorry, bad Bible joke, right? But I'm gonna make you a father of many nations and I'm gonna give you a sign as well just like I did know I'm gonna give you a sign and it's called circumcision and Abraham's like well how come I couldn't get a rainbow come on I want I want a rainbow <laughs> kids if you don't know what circumcision is ask your parents on the way home today <laughs> be a great you're welcome you're welcome just family conversation you know just trying to stir up the family towards good things no, it's like, well, I mean, Abraham's like, can't we just trim our beards, you know? And, and, and maybe, maybe God decided to give them something painful to remind him of the seriousness of the covenant. In spite of all this, the people still were not faithful. They did not carry out God's dream for human flourishing, for community. They were rebellious. They broke their word, and still, 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 God would not give up on his promises. God is a relational God. God is a faithful God. God is a covenant-keeping God. God is an excellent covenant keeper, I think for at least three reasons. Number one, God never enters into a covenant without first having given it much, much thought, right? And secondly, he never, never, never goes back on his word. He will always honor his commitments. It doesn't matter what it costs him. He will never, never break faith and the third thing is he is unswervingly faithful to his people even when they break faith with him he won't break faith with them you, th you think about this you think about this if you're a follower of Jesus you know this has probably been part of your story we, we do something bad we do something wrong we have trouble because of it we have chaos in our lives we, we repent we promise to change God if you'll just if you'll help me get through this I promise God but when the trouble goes away when the storms abate we tend to go back on our words to God and to other people but even then even then God does not slip one degree south of total trustworthiness in fact God is incapable of bad faith the Bible says he cannot lie there's no capacity within God 
to not honor every commitment he makes. He is, sets the standard for relational excellence. Now Malachi says this, this God's standards has some very serious implications for you and I. I talked about last week about Malachi being such a straight shooter. In fact, if you start reading chapter two, you'll find that, that God goes right after the priests of the day, the religious leaders of the day, because they haven't been owning up to their own commitments. They haven't been doing to, to God what they promised to do to God. They've been, he, calls, he says, you've been causing the people to stumble by what you teach, by what you say. And he's so angry at them for abusing his own people uh, that, that he, he comes after them hard. But here's the core statement of Malachi chapter two. Verse 10, have we not all one father? Meaning, aren't we all, don't we all have, aren't we all part of the same family? Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your skin color is or your hue or wherever you're from. We're all part of one family. He goes, did, did not one God create us? And then he says, then why? Why do we profane? Why do we curse? Why do we denounce the covenant of our ancestors by, look at this, by breaking faith with one another? Notice he doesn't say that we break covenant by breaking faith with God. He says we're breaking covenant, the covenant of our ancestors by breaking faith with each other. Do you see this? And so, so, so why do we profane this covenant? And, 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 and by breaking faith with one another, friend to friend, uh, husband and wife, and parent to child, and child to parent, and business partners. D- d- so, so God gets so angry about, about covenant breaking that to, to the priests, here's what he says to them when they break covenant. This is from the, uh, verse uh, three. I, I will spread on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices. Come on, the middle schooler in me, um, there's a middle school boy in every man, right? I love this line right here. Yeah, throw it at him, you know? Sorry, sorry. And you're gonna be carried off with it, right? In, in fact, in, in the very next verse, he says, you, you, you think you're blessed because everything's going well? I'm gonna curse your blessings because you are abusing the people that I entrusted you to care for. So Malachi says, hey, people, to the people then, it's time to raise the bar in relational excellence. I, I wanna spend the last of our time here talking about two key covenantal relationships that are part of the human life. And if you need to, like I do, I want, you, I want to challenge you to think about it and raise the bar to honor your word. Now, the single area that Malachi talks about most is marriage. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, another thing you do, and I love this, because if you've ever gotten into an argument with your spouse or somebody, like you have a list. It's in your memory bank, right? Like they're coming up and you're going, you didn't do this, oh really? Do you really want to go down that road? Let me oh, turn to notes here. Another, this, 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 and another thing, you didn't take out the trash, right? right? This is kind of what's happening here. And another thing you do, you, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep because your sacrifices aren't being accepted. He's saying, listen, you guys come crying to me. You're weeping at me because I, you think I'm not answering your prayers and you're, you're, you're saying what, you know, this or that and, and you're complaining to God about that. And then he says, do you, you want to know why this is happening? Why I'm not answering your prayers? He says, it's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Meaning, witness here, there was a bunch of people at your ceremonies. There was a lot of witnesses, but there was really just one who was paying attention. And, and God says, there was a witness there, and it was me, because you have broken faith. There's that phrase. You've broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage. Say this with me. 
covenant. Heavy word there. Heavy word there. God says, don't be under the illusion to these people that your worship and your prayers are acceptable to me when you're treating your spouse like trash. This is real talk, everybody. These people are so, as you read through this book, you find that they're frustrated with God. Like, what's the point of praying to God? He's not even, he's not even here. Why do, we, why do we do all the things that we do when he's not coming in on his, own, in his, on, on his end of the bargain? And he's saying, the reason I'm not coming through with your, my end of the bargain is because you treat each other like garbage. Don't expect that I would hear your prayers because you're not doing your part of this. This is what he's saying to them. And then he goes on and makes one of the strongest statements in all of the scriptures, and, it's, and he, says, he says, I hate divorce. Now, he didn't say, I hate divorced people, so let's just back up a little bit. But he says, I hate divorce because anybody who's been around this knows the pain that it causes. And, and, and I know there are some really great reasons why people make this decision. I, I get it, okay? I'm not beating, any, this is not beating anybody up. I'm just saying there is, it's not just the pain that two people experience, it's a ripple effect. And God hates it because of the damage that is done to the lives of people. But he also hates it because it's, it's breaking covenant, which, which I know our world doesn't care about, but God does care about everybody. He does care about marriage. It is sacred. It is beautiful to him. It is a, such a picture of, of the relationship he has with his church, with the bride of Christ. You, you see, when, when, when you got married, if you are, you didn't make a bargain. We didn't make a transaction. It wasn't casual. We made a vow. We made promises. It was a covenant. That's what he calls it right here, a covenant. And, 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 and the violation of covenant is a serious thing in God's eyes. And, and I know that people in our day think it's just a transactional decision, just like all the other relationships that I went in and out of. This is just another one. But, 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 not, but not in God's eyes. It's a covenant. It's built on promises. You made what? You made vows. And if you're hearing this, if you're watching this right now, you made, you made a promise and I would just say to you, to me, how is that going? How is your promise going? Remember those promises we made, richer and poorer? Come on, we're still waiting for the richer part. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> Sickness and in health, to have and to hold from this day forward until death does us part. We <laughs> promise, like cross my heart, that we'll, we'll give ourselves in sa- self-sacrificial love, right? We, we'll serve. We'll share what we have. We promise that we laugh together. We cry together. We dance together. Come on, everybody. We have to dance together every now and then. I didn't, the church I grew up in, we weren't allowed to dance. It was a sin, right? So I didn't learn how to dance, and now my dancing looks like this. This moves right there. I got moves like Jagger. Come on, y'all. I got moves like Jagger. It's not really... Um, we, we promised that when we fight, we'd fight fair. We'd fight fair. We'd fight clean. We'd come out on the other side. We promised that our love would sink deeper than crow's feet, come on, and laugh lines and receding hairlines and bulging waistlines. And, and, and guys, stuff happens to us as well, all right, fellas? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I just felt tight in here. And all the ladies like, you're cut off, bro. You, <laughs> Sorry, sorry, it was terrible. You, you didn't say, if you do that, and if you do that, then I will. You just promised that you would. I, w- I want to invite every married couple in this room watching to sit down this week, hopefully today, and just ask each other this question. How, how's my promise going? How am I doing? 
One, one of you is going to have to make this happen because somebody doesn't want to do it. One of you has to make it happen, all right? Um, any, any areas that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living up to my end of the bargain? Am, am I serving you? Am I taking care of you? Your needs, do you feel beloved? Do you feel secure? Do you feel safe? Do you feel honored? Do you feel respected? Um, I, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. It's worth your best, everybody. It's worth it. I think you'll, I think you'll thank, uh, thank me later on in life. I want to finish with just this last covenantal relationship, and it's between parents and children. It's back to school weekend, and I just think it's a f- appropriate today. You know, in a wedding, you, you say the promises out loud so that everybody can hear you, but when a child arrives, you don't have to make any promises to get them. They just show up. Come on, amen. They just kind of, they're there, right? We don't need to go into the process. That's another ser- sermon series, but, but, but there's a covenantal relationship there, yes or no, Right? Children come with a little promise attached and it's supposed to be filled in with by the parents. Matter of fact, we do, we're gonna do a child dedication in October and we bring parents right up to the front and we make them repeat vows with us because we, t- we take it seriously. S- some of you know that I'm the dad of two teenage girls. Come on, hashtag girl dads in the room. Anybody, anybody? Uh, yeah, a lot of boy dads too. I just know girls. I, I think about the kind of dad that I wanna be and I think about the kind of dad I actually am. And uh, to, to be honest, there's a gap there. Um, and there's a gap because when I'm honest, sometimes I'm, I'm in a hurry in life. I'm hurried. And sometimes I'm preoccupied in my mind with my own stuff, with my own problems, with my own s- circumstances. And sometimes I'm uncertain, meaning I just don't know what to do else. Sometimes I'm relationally lazy, meaning I would, I, I would just rather numb out to ESPN or watch some golf come on this afternoon. Uh, golf is like an adult lullaby. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> slobbering down my cheek. That'll be happening later on, right? Sometimes I'm blind to just what's right in front of me, those two girls. Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I say the right thing, but I say it in the wrong way, and it doesn't land, and Sometimes I simply don't know what the right thing to say is, and sometimes I don't know what the right thing to do is. Um, I'm not sure what to say in those moments, but I know to the core of my being, I wanna get this right, everybody. I want to get it right. And as a parent, I'm gonna speak for parents just for a moment. Kids, I wanna speak to you. We always want what is best for you. We don't always get it right, right? We don't always say the right thing. We know that. But I wanna say this to, to kids. Your parents want what is best for you just like I want for my girls. And sometimes, kids, you don't, you don't get it. You don't get that. Sometimes in your quest and your struggle for independence, um, you, you fight our best and, and flawed, for sure flawed efforts at helping you get to independence. Believe you, believe you me, we want you to be independent, right? But we wanna get you there when you're ready for that. And we make you crazy, but you make us a little crazy too. Can we just be honest in the room? Can we do real talk in here, right? Right, you, 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 you say things you shouldn't. I, we do too. You, you make threats. Some of you, you've cussed and you've thrown stuff and thrown fits and slammed doors and punched walls and peeled out of the driveway. Maybe just in your tricycle like, I'm out of here. <laughs> My parents um, told me when I was like one and a half years old that I ran away from home on an inchworm. I don't know if you're old enough to remember it. It's like, like, hey, I'm out of here. Like there was, they said they were turning their house upside down. Where's Danny? Where's Danny? And I was just out on the sidewalk running away from home. I got like four feet because they're not very fast inchworms. 
Yeah, look it up, Google it, it's a thing. Um, and, and listen, while sometimes we blow it, as parents we blow it, sometimes you do too. Just meaning that we are all less than excellent to each other sometimes. But the thing about it is, everybody, we're in relationship. We're in covenant with each other. And so there's a no matter what clause attached to that. And, and we only get released from it when one of us dies. You're, you're welcome, by the way. You're, you're welcome. Right. This is why I think this covenant is the one that's most like our covenant with God, who is our, is our father. It never ends, no matter what. But it has to work both ways. Kids, it has to bo- work both ways. And I know you think, well, parents, parents, are, they, they made us. They, they brought us into this world, but they can take you out. No, I'm just kidding. They can't take you out. <laughs> parents, I'm gonna talk to you again. How, how are you doing with this promise? Are you devoting enough time? Do you cherish your child's dreams and not try to sort of inflict your own on them, for them on them? Are you providing enough toughness? Are you providing enough discipline, even when it means you're gonna be unpopular? Discipline still actually matters, everybody. It's really important. You can do it your way. You don't have to do it my way, but it matters. Are are we parenting our kids? Are we kind of trying to co-parent with them, meaning they have too much power, too much decision-making, that they're supposed to earn that later on in life? Are we looking the other way? Do, Do we say stuff, but we don't, we don't follow through? Do we, do we promise them things just to get them off our back? Come on, I've, I've done this. Are we teaching them how to be covenant keepers? Again, it's worth our best, everybody. Yes or no, it's worth our best. Three words, three words about both covenants, but I wanna hone in on the parent one for just a second. Three words about this. N- number one is, is value. Value this time, kids, that you have with your parents. Everybody tells the parents to value the time with their kids because it goes by so fast, and that's a true statement, but kids, value the time you have with your parents because there's gonna come a day when you're gonna be like, dear Lord, I wish mom could pay for this bill. Come on, I wish dad would come rescue me from this, pro- this bad decision I made. It's gonna happen. Trust me, I'm 50, and I still wish dad come help me out of this one, right? Don't, don't get in a hurry. Don't stay too long either. Come on, amen, somebody, right? <laughs> Value it. I, I, I have a, ki- a, a daughter who on Thursday we sent her back to Virginia to go to college. She's a sophomore in college and I have another one that's a sophomore in high school and everybody told me it's gonna go by so fast and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I hear you, old guy. And now I'm the old guy, right? And I'm like, it's like that, it's like that. And I can't afford to allow anything to come in between me and those two girls. I have to value every moment with them. Every moment. Every ride to school. Come on, the one tomorrow that's gonna be a complete nightmare. Come on, pray for our brother. Like, Jesus, take the wheel as I drive to this school. It's like everybody usually just lets their kids walk, but today they're all driving. Can I get an amen, somebody? Every drive matters. Every moment matters. I gotta steward them well. Because you know what? Every little single moment is part of a bigger picture. I, got, I, got, I, I can't afford to allow anything to come between me and those girls. The second thing is, is, first is value. The second is protect. Protect your relationship with your kids. Kids, protect your relationship with your mom and dad. Don't let the little stuff turn into big stuff. Solomon says in the, in the book of Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that can become big things, the big things that can destroy things. Don't, don't fight to win a skirmish that costs you the war. 
and this is a word for me because I'm an idealist and I feel like everything should be done this way and that way but sometimes things can't work out the way I think they should. They won't work out. And I think the biggest way that you learn to protect your kids, ladies and gentlemen, is on your knees. Please hear me. Pray for your children. Pray over them. You have a spiritual enemy. Listen to me. You have a spiritual enemy <clears throat> who wants to destroy your families, who wants to destroy your marriages if you're married. He wants to destroy your key relationships. And the best way I can, thing I can tell you is to get on your knees and you proclaim the power of the name of Jesus over my family. God, in the name of Jesus, I take dominion. I take authority. God, every weapon the enemy would use against my kids, Lord, I bind it in the name of Jesus. Come on, you, 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 you may think, that's weird, bro. That's powerful, and God gives you the power to do that. As a father, you can bless your kids. You can lay your hands. As a mom, you can pray for those kids. They may hate the whole idea. Lay hands on them anyway. Come on, right? You, you can lay hands on them in violence. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Or you can lay hands on them in prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They are mighty through God, through the pulling down of the strongholds that the enemy would want to set up in your marriage, in your home, with your kids. Pull them down in Jesus' name. Pull them down. Last word, restore. Value, protect, restore. There have been moments in my life as a dad where I, did, I didn't do it right. And I dinged up my relationships with my girls and I remember God, this has happened multiple times, but God's saying, Danny, get your pride out of the way, bro. Get your need for honor or respect or whatever it is that's, got, that's in your crawl right now. Get it out of the way. It's not worth your relationship with that, those, that girl. Here's the thing, guys. There are, there are adults in this room. There are adults outside who have no conversations with their parents. They have no conversations with their kids. And I want to just say, I just want to say, come on, whatever it was, whatever it is, is it worth it? What happens when they die? Are you going to wish you could go back? You are. Whatever it is, restore it. Malachi would say, if you need to repent because you've broken faith, repent to them. Listen, I want to say this to parents. Listen, it, you don't lose moral authority by telling your child that you messed it up. You don't, you don't lose it by saying, I'm sorry, baby girl, that I said it that way. I should never have said that to you. I am so sorry. We don't do it because of our pride or we think hey, I'll lose the high ground. You don't lose the high ground when you, when you repent or when you say, forgive me. You gain it, everybody. That's how you gain it. And, and you may have a tree, a family tree that is stunted and all jacked up and growing back, back down into the ground. But listen to me. It doesn't have to be that way from this day forward. You can start a new family tree for your family. In our family, we learn to say forgive me forgive me it, it's worth it everybody it's worth your best so Malachi finishes it and he says guard your spirit and do not break faith do an inventory of your spirit Take inventory, with, have a conversation with your wife or your husband or your kids or your parents or your siblings or whatever relationship it is how am I doing man am I a good friend to you because I want to be Right? If I've broken faith, if I've broken your trust, how do I make it right? We, we value, come on, we protect, we restore. Doesn't matter what the relationship is, we value, we protect, and restore. Do you know, because of our faithfulness of our covenant-keeping God, when the covenants with Adam, 
the covenant with Noah, when the covenant with Abraham didn't work out because of mankind's lack of faithfulness, do you know what God did in response to that? He sent his one and only son. And Jesus came to teach us about the faithfulness of God. And on the night before he died, he had a group of friends in another upper room and he held in his hand a cup of wine and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's the same promise he had made through generations, God's eternal promise of love and commitment and of grace and mercy. But what's new about this covenant is it's written in his blood. It's written in Jesus' blood because the cross, everybody, is the ultimate expression of how God keeps his promises to his children. So God says in response to the, the, the lack of faithfulness, he says, I will love you no matter what. Cross my heart, hope to die. And that's exactly what he did. To pay the price for your sins, for mine. To build a bridge for us between the holiness, the perfection of God and where you and I were. Come cross this bridge of grace and mercy and the love of God. The cross is the ultimate expression of the faithfulness and the love of God. Amen, somebody? Let me pray for you, Father. Thank you um, for these words from Malachi. Thousands and thousands of years ago now, but relevant in many ways to this moment to hear right now. God, I would pray for people in this room, people who will watch this or listen to this, that any of us who don't have that relationship with God, we can do that by faith in Jesus Christ. We can say by faith, Father, I ask you to be the forgiver of my sins. I ask you to be the healer of the broken places within me. I, I want you to be my Lord. We say that out loud, be my Lord, Jesus. By your spirit, live in my heart and, and be my guide. I believe that you died, but I believe that you rose from the dead to make me right with you, Jesus. God, I pray over families this weekend. As we go back to school, I pray over marriages. I pray over friendships. God, that you would help us to value all of these. That we don't take them for granted. God, that we, that we protect, that we protect our, our relationships. That we remember our promises that we've made. God, and that where we've broken faith, that we, we seek to restore them. Whatever it costs whatever it looks like, whatever discomfort, whatever pain that costs us, we restore. I pray you would help us become not just promise makers, Lord, but promise keepers. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.